Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. James, you've seen a lot of movies in your day. Have you seen the movie <laughs> Living Large? I don't think so. Think it'd make a, uh, a nice it, little fun date night for you and Mrs. <laughs> Ham. I can tell you this. If I see the the cover, I will know if I've seen it or not. <laughs> I have no. uh, I have not. Yeah, I, have I was not say, seen I highly it. doubt you've seen this one, yeah. Living large. No, no, I don't. I don't think so. (laughs) It's it's got. What is the? I mean, is that Martin? Like the 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 blocking? No, the like the title. That's the title. That's just a nineties. That's just nineties. That's 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 like a nineties font. (laughs) That's essentially what it is. The color and everything is just nineties. This movie just screamed early nineties as we just watched the trailer. Wow. Um, <laughs> How do we get on this subject? <laughs> James, don't ask, bro. Like you should know, but I don't know. I don't This I is have way m- more up my alley though. Well I know more movies than than we could WWE. rope you into some of the conversations we had earlier if you want. <laughs> oh, no. Are oh. you okay, yeah, let's not. Let's just not go back to <laughs> Never mind. Sometimes I think stuff in my head and I want to say it out loud and it would probably make everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> What are the dumb buttons for? James, yeah, no, I know it. Um, James, do any update? It sounds like De'Aaron's a go tonight. Obviously, us in Sacramento uh, and not in Denver. Chris Peterman says De'Aaron went through a, a, a full shoot around. He was listed as questionable uh, last night. I believe he's still listed as questionable now. Uh, but this feels like Domas of a couple of nights ago where he went through the full shoot around and strong he's going to play vibes. Yeah. So when he was walking up stage, um, when we got him after the game, he was walking gingerly, and mm-hmm. I I saw it early, like that he got hit, and but we didn't know what it was. Um, and then when he went to get up and and walk off, uh, walk podium, I said, "Hey, hit your knee," and he said, "Yeah, I knocked knees with with uh, Jaime, uh, uh He's like, "I said, y'all good?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm good. I'm good." He's like, "I'm just sore." So I guess that he's okay, that it's just a, it's a bone bruise type deal. Not even maybe a bone bruise as much as it is just a bruise, mm. you know? So, um, yeah, I would, I would be surprised, although you never know. I mean, again, he, he takes a lot of ab- uh, abuse and, um, you know, there are times where he's going to need to take a break. Yeah. Now, I, 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 I think about this group and, you know, remember last year, the fact that they played all the time was almost looked at as a bad thing. Like they play all the time. That's why they win. Well, yeah, that's that's a good thing. This this team, it wasn't just a one off. Like for the most part, they're all pretty damn tough when it comes to if I can play, I'm gonna go through it. And yeah. I feel that way about any injury that comes up. Like if De'Aaron right now said I'm not gonna be able to go. I would think it's something that's really keeping them from being able to play because these guys, they show up and they play if they're able to. Yeah. I mean, that was like who they were all last season and it's been who they are this season as well. Very, very few games missed due to injury. Um, you know, of course, Sasha's out now and will be out probably for a while. Um, Alex, Alex Lynn missed some time early in the season. Trey Lyles missed some time early in the season. Fox missed five games at one point, but Overall, this kind of has the same fill where, you know, if, if someone is out, they're out for a game or two games. It's nothing long term that we've seen. 
Um, but I, I also think it it plays into a larger picture that, you know, number one, these guys are playing for each other. Like that's part of it that they know that they, they don't want to let their teammates down. And so they're trying to gut out uh, some of these games. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that, you know, this training staff has done a great job of keeping these guys taped together. And it's something we saw last year. You can't ignore it. Like it's part of its luck. Part of it's the fact that you didn't bring in a bunch of players who are injury prone. Um, and even, you know, the guy that I would say is injury prone that you did bring in is Chris Duarte. And he's been reasonably healthy throughout the season. Uh, you know, again, some bumps and bruises here and there. Yeah, that grade two ankle sprain. But I think the training staff has done a really good job uh, just keeping these guys, you know, on the on the up and up and, you know, on the court. Yeah, and you guys talked to Domas following that game where he had uh, been a little out of the weather, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to play." And it feels like that's the mentality uh, of this team, as you just laid out there, Hammer. And you know, they're entering this this crazy stretch where everyone's just kind of all over the place. Like we saw the way Dallas lost last night, and we saw the way the Pelicans won. Um, the Sun are never playing again, so we'll just deal with that as it as it happens. As they've got the longest break in history. But here we are entering another game with Denver, coming off of a loss, thinking, well, Denver is going to be pissed off at some point, aren't they? And the Sacramento Kings just seem to match up well with the squad, and I feel like they have, James, really for the last couple of years. Yeah, I totally agree. For whatever reason, they do match up well. And, and I don't think that, you know, like this kills Michael Malone. Michael Malone absolutely hates losing to the Sacramento Kings. You know, he he's trying to pull every trick out to beat this team. I'd also say this season in particular, it feels like every time they've played Denver, there's been like a little bit of an asterisk. Like it's a good win for sure, right? But like the first two times they played, Denver was on the second out of a back-to-back. The last time the Kings played, you know, the last time the Kings beat them, the Kings were on the second out of a back-to-back. But Denver had what uh, Jamal Murray and Contavious Caldwell Pope out. I think one other game they had uh, Michael Porter Jr. out. They, they've been missing at least one starter in each of the games that I can remember. And this will be the first time that the Denver's at full strength. And I kind of want to see how the Kings look against a team against this Denver team at full strength. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we talked about it earlier, Mike Malone, <laughs> He's going to have his boys ready to go. He yeah. said, hey, no way we getting swept by the Sacramento Kings. I don't care how good they are. I'm not getting swept. I mean, we're not getting swept by the <laughs> Sacramento Kings. So, yeah, he, he's, he's going to have those guys ready to go tonight. Um, but I agree with you, Damien. I mean, it's I think it's a bit of a matchup thing. I would feel this in a regular season. I would feel this if they met up in the playoffs. I Denver is a, a title contender. Um, they're one of the best teams in basketball, but – I just think the Kings match up well with them. They can they can um, combat some of the things that Denver likes to do to other teams. And they have a couple of things that the Kings, they have a couple of things on their side that gives Denver fits. I think it's a good matchup. Yeah, I think it's interesting if, if you really go position by position, um, you know, Kendavious Caldwell Pope is a really good defender and, and I think he matches up really well against Kevin Herter. But Kevin Herter is also a really big shooting guard, and he matches up well on the other end against uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And, you know, you can talk about how good of a player Jamal Murray is during the playoffs, but during the regular season, De'Aaron Fox is just a much better player. He's faster. Uh, he's a better scorer. You know, he, he gets to his spots better. Um, and you can kind of go around all of the positions, and, you know, you get to the big boy matchup, which to me is one of the funnest things to watch in the game because – both these guys are so incredibly talented, but the the big, strong guys really bug both of these players. And so Jokic, he has he has trouble with Sabonis. Sabonis loves to push him out of the key. Sabonis gets under his skin. And we saw it last time where, you know, like Sabonis really did, like almost got Jokic thrown out of the game just because he just keeps battling you and he doesn't give in. And so I think it is a matchup thing. Uh, again, like the Kings don't ma- have anybody that can really, really match up with Aaron Gordon, but he's not so dynamic a scorer that Harrison Barnes can't stay with him. And then uh, for me, one of the matchups to watch in this game, which we talked about on the insiders, 
is the uh, the battle between Michael Porter Jr. and Keegan Murray. I think it's just like I think Keegan can be Michael Porter on the offensive end, but with a whole bunch of defensive game, and he can be a better player than Michael Porter. Uh, the Kings just need to go out and find some of these other pieces. But yeah, it's a, it's a good matchup team for the Kings for sure. How do you feel about Keegan Murray's second season so far? Um, I don't know. I mean, the leap he's taken defensively, I don't think anyone expected at all. I mean, like nobody. There isn't an expert out there who said that that Keegan Murray could be an all NBA defender when when they were you know, scouting this guy coming out of college. He's done a tremendous amount of work on his body to be a different player, to be more athletic, to to have better lateral quickness. Um, he's worked with Doug Christie. He's worked with some of the other coaches to really hone his skills and to be a an elite defender. I think I'm I'm left wanting on the defensive uh, on the offensive end. And that's something that like as much as anything, I just I blame the system. Um and I also would put a little bit of it on Keegan for not being very vocal, but the Kings need to figure out, in my opinion, in the last 25 games, they need to figure out how to make this about Keegan Murray. And I know that this is a team game and all that stuff, but like the way the path forward for the Sacramento Kings next year, the year after the year after that is through Demonis Sabonis, uh, De'Aaron Fox and Keegan Murray. And the fact that over his last 16 games, Keegan is is averaging only 10.2 field goal attempts per game, that's not going to cut it. That's not who this guy needs to be. It, it, you know, the the next version of the Kings, the version next year, and the version five years from now has Keegan Murray averaging 20 points a game or close to it, and playing great defense. So, I want more from him on on the offensive end because it's all there. You know, he, he can hit the mid-range jump shot. He's a great three-point shooter. He won't even he hasn't even got to show his his post game yet. And he's he's finishing with force in traffic, which is not something I thought he would do in year two. So I like what's happening. I just need 15 shots per game. I need 16 shots per game. I do not need 10. I don't need 12. I need it to be way up higher. And we were looking earlier, and it's something crazy like um you know, he's 23 games this season. He shot 13 shots or more. And the Kings are something like 15 and eight in those games. Mm. Like it, it's not about Keegan, like scoring more. It's about you're a better team when Keegan does X, Y, and Z. Mm. And the Kings need to figure that out. They need to figure out that they're like eight and three when he scores 21 or more. Like he's one of your better scores. He's efficient. Um, he stretches a defense and you need to find ways to get him involved and keep him involved and not let him have a huge first quarter and a huge fourth quarter. And then you forgot about him for two quarters in the middle. Where do you, uh, whose responsibility do you think that is? I think it's everyone's, you know, I, I think when you look at the, the Kings offense, it is what they quote unquote equal opportunity offense, right? Everybody has a chance to be good and that's fine. But I also know that De'Aaron Fox is averaging, oh, he's second in the league in field goal attempts per game at almost 21 a game. So it's not really opportunity because De'Aaron just goes out there. And, and I'm not blaming De'Aaron. I'm saying De'Aaron can go out in this offense and go be himself and go do that. And I know he gets a little bit longer leash than anyone else. But I don't know whether it's where Keegan lines up, whether it's how they're trying to get him involved, whatever it is they need to do more and more and more of it down the stretch because that's, again, it's the path. That's the path forward for this franchise. And that's not a, a disrespect on Harrison Barnes or, or Kevin Herter. It's just a reality. Like, if this team is going to be great in the future, it's going to be a big three of Fox and Sabonis and Murray, and you have to get him there, even if that costs you a couple of games here down the stretch. But I don't even know if it would. Like, I, he, he's very good. And the more you feed him, the more you get him involved, the better he gets. And that's kind of where I'm at. That's not disrespectful. I don't think anybody goes, Harrison Barnes is the future of the Sacramento Kings. Right. Like, like, no, we know what it is. Like, it's it's the Aaron Domas and it's the emergence of Keegan. Like, we've talked, you know, this conversation kind of started earlier, Hammer. We were trying to kind of assess what this second season has looked like. Uh, for Keegan and as important as we all believe this upcoming offseason is regardless of how the next 20 some odd games go 
there's probably not a bigger improvement or bigger step forward that the Kings are going to take than whatever improvement Keegan Murray makes. Like there probably isn't a trade or a a, a free agent acquisition that's going to be more important than Keegan Murray's third year. Yeah, I mean, you hope that there's some sort of chance out there that they can land a big fish that would help you change the trajectory slightly of this team. But it's probably not out there. And the whatever upgrade you're going to do is probably going to be more of a lateral upgrade as far as talent, but a tweak in what the player does. So, you know, as opposed to a, a guy who is a pure shooter like Kevin Herter, or a guy who's like a multi-tool player like Harrison Barnes, who does a little bit of everything. I, I think that this team is going to be more designed around three and D players uh, that support the trio of Fox and and Sabonis and and Murray moving forward. That that's kind of where you have to hone in on and, and really change the look of this. So that means that there will be more shots for Keegan. Because the guys that you're probably going to have manning those positions for the bulk of his career are going to be guys who who are okay taking 7 to 10 shots per game. And those are going to be wide open looks from the corner or transition buckets or every once in a while a back cut or something while these other guys take the bulk of the shots. And I think there's something to like having a team that's versatile and has a bunch of scoring options. But there also comes a point where you typically grow out of that and you start needing more and more specialty players. I mean, look at the way the Phoenix Suns are built, where you know you've got your your big three, but then the rest of the guys, uh, you know, Josh Kogi or um, you know Royce O'Neal, like these are are guys that are okay if they walk out of a game with five sh- five shots or six shots. They know their role. Their role is to to defend. So these other guys can do what they do. And I, I'd even look at the way. You know, Contavious Caldwell Pope is one of those guys that I'm talking about. The the guys that are okay taking secondary roles. And they're going to do what they do, which is on the defensive end and making an impact there, physicality and all that, while the stars get to shine bright. And that's kind of where the Kings will head eventually. They're just not there yet. They're still at a point where you have to have these major scoring support pieces because Keegan is still coming along, not just as as a player and a weapon, but also as a personality and as somebody who demands these things. And there does need a point where whether it's Mike, whether it's Mike pulling aside Amonis and, and De'Aaron and, and having this discussion, there has to be a point though, where Keegan is the focal point, not over those guys, but by those guys where they are the ones in his ear all game long saying, Hey, look, no more passing that up. Hey, we need you to cut harder so you're open more. We need you to to as a parting in the corner. We need you to race and get to you know the other spot so you have more of an opportunity to get involved in the offense. Like we need to switch you up and not have you just be the guy in the corner. On occasion, that's fine. Let him have a break, especially if he's got a tough defensive assignment. But overall, they need him to start thing and start taking on these things. And we see it. And I'm not asking him to go do something that he's uncomfortable with or that he uh, he isn't ready to do or isn't built to do. We've seen everything that we need to see that's going to make him a great player. We just need a lot more of it, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. I think one of the things that we should also be asking is when and if and when they try to say, hey, Keegan, let's, let's step it up here to close this season and, and let, let's have you perform at a certain level are one of, if not both, Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter able to continue to be as productive as they've been in the last couple of weeks with maybe more looks going to Keegan? Can they find a way to stay in rhythm with their offense or play defense at a certain level or go create their own opportunities? Because I think that was a lot of the issue early in the season, right? Keegan was averaging 16, almost 17 points a game, but – Harrison felt like, and I'm not saying he personally said this, but mm-hmm. felt like, oh, I only got two looks today. You know what I mean? Or Kevin couldn't get in the rhythm. If they, whoever it is, it really doesn't matter between those three. If somebody's getting more of an offensive opportunity, can the other one or two still find a way to be involved in this game? Is is going to be probably the story of the, the end of the season. 
Yeah, it's really tough because what I'm kind of venturing that the area that I'm venturing into is that wins and losses, you know, they matter, but the true the true future of this team is maybe more important than a win here, a win there. Like you need to bring along a young player in the right way. And I think to date they have, but at this point it's, you need to push him. You need to push him to become that guy. And the other players that we were talking about, the, the Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herters and, you know, name that, that player on, on the Kings. Um, they should all be on board with this because they understand that they've already, they're all in second and third contracts. They are who they are as players. They know what their future is in the league and that they're secure in what they're doing. But at, at a certain point, if you're a good teammate and if you're if you're part of a program that's pushing forward, you also have to understand where the future is. You know, it's it's not crazy to think that that everyone on that team knows how good Keegan Murray is. They all do. They all see it in practice. They see a lot more than we do. They know how good he can be. Now that it's on them to kind of pull it, you know, to push and push and push until he gets there. And and that's just part of being a good teammate and part of being on, you know, a, a winning program that it at a certain point it does have to be about like elevating specific players in order for you to have uh, a better opportunity as a team. And and like, look, if, if Keegan Murray becomes the player that we we've seen flashes of throughout this season, that makes life a lot easier on Harrison Barnes and on Kevin Herter. Like it does. Like they're gonna get more open looks. They're gonna the next evolution of Keegan is to score more, but then you can see he's not a selfish player. After he starts scoring more and he starts getting more comfortable with that role, the next move for him is to start distributing and finding those guys for open looks because he's not a bad passer. He's just not someone who's been asked to do that. Does he need to get more um, aggressive and assertive with his shot? Does he need to get more demanding? Does he need to do the, hey, give me the ball? When he's hit two, three threes in a row? Maybe. Um, but I also Does think Does he need that... to steal the ball from De'Aaron Fox on the uh, when De'Aaron's in the backcourt? <laughs> when... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's what I'm talking about, though. I think it's on everybody, right? It, it's, on, it's on the coaching staff, and not just Mike. It's on everybody on the coaching staff to keep promoting this idea that, hey, the kid is hitting... Uh, he shot six or seven from three. Why didn't why did he only get seven shots from three? That's you know again like realize where the flow of the game is going. Realize who has the hot hand and and figure that out. Ride the hot hand. You know, give a guy an opportunity to blossom. And I'm not saying that the Kings are constricting that, but I also think that you know when you're going through a season and you you've had the the bumpy ride that the Kings have all season long, and now here you are sitting it like seven or eighth in the West every night. And, you know, a couple of wins could get you up to number five. Like you're, you're hyper-focused on, okay, we, we can't be in the plan. We've, we've got to find a way to get up there. We've got to find to, a way to maybe even get into the top four. But my question would be to like, to what end? Like the goal of this season shouldn't be to go out. I mean, it, it can be to win a championship, but does anyone here think that they're going to be able to saw through three teams in the Western conference and get to the, the finals and then somehow get to the finals and be better than a Boston Celtics team that beats you by 30 time. I mean, 30 points every time. Oh, the goal is, is to build a, a sustainable product that can win year in and year out. And that's where I'm looking like, this is about, this is about years of development that you can really bolster right now in the final 25 games where you can empower a young guy and say, okay, let's go get him. Let's, let's uh, put you out there in front of this thing and see how far you can help get us. Uh, because that's, that's in, in the end, what building a, a, you know, a sustainable winner is. Yeah. I, I, I just think it's so his development to both of you guys' point is so important for, the future of this team. I mentioned it earlier on the handoff, Ham. If he has a certain level of growth, and we talked about year three, I mean, that's the that's the Siakam. 
That's the Jeremy Grant. That's the Kyle Kuzma that we're talking about this team needs, the Zach Levine-type score that everybody's talking about you need. Because it's when we had the discussion with Michael Bridges, remember it wasn't necessarily is like Michael Bridges better than Keegan or because we're not expecting Michael to come in here and average 25. We're saying can he be can Keegan be better or the same as Michael Bridges in Phoenix? Right. And if the answer is yes, then you don't make that deal. Yeah. Anybody that comes in here, we're not saying be a 25 point per game score. Can you be a consistent 17 point per game score? We think Keegan can do that. Can you be the best player you can be with Domas and De'Aaron? Right. As, as, right. As and the two best case scenario, if Monk is here too. Right. Because you're not going to yeah. get those opportunities as well. So if Keegan can be a guy that you can rely on for 16 to 17 points and every now and then he may get you 28 or something like that, then in the offseason, like I mentioned earlier, you can go look for guys like Bruce Brown, like not these superstar high-scoring names, but guys that just come in and do nothing but the dirty work, and that could really help your roster if Keegan is taking that next step. Yeah, and look here in the chat, um, ZZ Sickness uh, says, um, you know, Keegan has to demand it, though. I disagree. Sometimes you you have to demand it from a player. You have to tell them that this is who they're going to be, that – you know, Keegan's personality might not be to like go out there and push his teammates around and say, Hey, you're not getting me the ball enough. That's fine. But I always go back to the, the Greg Popovich, like Kawhi Leonard thing where the light bulb went on for Kawhi when, after being, you know, berated by Popovich again and again and again, and, and pushed and told by his teammates, Hey, you got to score, you got to score, you got to score. And all these things, Popovich pulled him aside and said, Hey, look, I'm not doing this because like we want you to be a 25 point per game scorer and make an all-star team. I'm doing this because that version of you is our best opportunity to win a game. And if you can figure out how to be that person, we're going to win more games because you are really good and you give us that opportunity. And that's where I'm at with Keegan. Like he doesn't have to sit there and demand it, demand it, demand it. That would be nice, but I mean, you got a lot of players who who demand it, demand it, demand it, who aren't any good, who who think that they're great and they want every shot and everything else. That's not who Keegan is. What you have to do is you have to. Some players are quiet. Some players need that push. They need people like pushing them every single step of the way to say, "Look, you can't be who you are now. We need you to be better, and we need it now." And again, it's not about asking someone to go outside of their comfort zone and all of a sudden, you know, do a bunch of ISO work and, and, you know, you're expecting them to add on, you know, three or four assists per game as well. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is Keegan Murray doing exactly what he's doing right now. Just instead of taking six or seven threes, taking eight or nine threes, instead of, you know, pulling up from 18 feet, you know, once or twice a game, do it two or three times more per game. And if you add a little bit here and a little bit there, next thing you know, he's at 13 to 15 at shot attempts per game, and he's he's crushing it, and the Kings are a better team. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk more with uh, James Ham. Kings uh, Nuggets tonight. Uh, we've got, we'll get you ready for it. Uh, Steve and Casey here. Sacramento Sports Leader, ESPN 1320. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever. Or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, it's his VIP tickets for Aftershock. Uh, we're back here with our man, Jam of the Insiders, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., along with our man, Kyle Matson. Uh, we got the, we got the uh, Sacramento Kings and the Denver Nuggets tonight. Will Z... Uh, track down a stat on it started with the the New York Knicks. Knicks uh, lost last night. Knicks got roughed up quite a bit by the Pelicans last night, and the I guess their 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 Reddit crew was uh, accumulating a record that the, their record of like beating five hundred teams versus below five hundred teams, and their record against above five hundred teams is brutal. Like they're they're getting roughed up. Yeah, was it twelve and twenty one? I think the Knicks. Yeah, yeah, twelve and And Will uh, pulled up the uh, Kings' record of uh, plus five hundred teams and and so on. And it it kind of started with the Kings versus below five hundred teams are five and fifteen. And we were able to we were able to figure out all of the losses pretty quickly. It was Charlotte. It was uh, Portland, it was Detroit, and then it was two versus Houston. That was it. Okay. And it brought, it caught, so they're 18 and 19 versus plus 500 teams, but it caused Kenny to ask the question, hey, or are, are maybe we overdoing this little, their inconsistent thing, are, are we overdoing this a little bit? Or they play down. They so play down. And stuff. when, in fact, they're five and or 15 and five, one of the better records. And another aspect of that is they're like top 10 in the league against teams below 500, mm-hmm. you know, and they played a lot less games than a lot of these other. Yeah. Teams. So for, for example, uh, hammer Philadelphia has the same win percentage against plus uh, against minus 500 teams that Sacramento has, but they've played eight more games against mm. minus 500 teams than the Kings have. Yeah, I think that there's going to be a problem here too because the Kings still have one of the toughest schedules left. Yeah, they just so, never playing below 500 teams ever again. That's just the way the schedule worked this year. It it really does feel like though the East is way worse than the West. Again, like the division of power in the East between the top and the bottom is like really really stark. Like there there are a lot of really bad teams in the in the East, or at least a handful of bad teams where. In the West, I just don't know that there are that many bad teams. I'd also say this. like, I don't think we're being too harsh on the Kings when it comes to that specific. Like, Yeah, they've, they've blown a couple of easy ones, right? Mm-hmm. It's the other games that they lay down in a weird way that makes you feel like they're, they just didn't show up. So it, it, I think it's a combination of the two. Like, yeah, you only have five losses against sub-500 teams, but... You also have like those 40 point losses and those 30 point losses and those 25 point losses where they just weren't competitive. Mm. And so it adds to this element of, you know, not taking care of business. And we can even dive deeper into it and say, okay, sure, the Miami Heat are a, a, a plus 500 team, right? They're a good team. They were missing seven players and, and you lost to them. And we can go down every game this season. And there are plenty of those games as well where teams were missing somebody that was crucial and had no problems just running the Kings over. And so I, I think it's a combination of things. I, I will say, though, over the last you know two weeks, they're playing a lot more solid basketball. They're, they're playing like the type of basketball that we expected. And if they would have played this type of basketball all season long, they'd probably have three or four more wins and we'd feel a lot more comfortable about where they were in the world. That's a good point about the other losses, the non-competitive losses. I mean, that adds to how people feel about this team and um, the the apprehension that that people have to this team. And I was looking back, and I don't. I'm. I mean, maybe this is just a um, you know a moral victory, so to speak, or whatever. It seems like they've eliminated those a little bit. The last time that happened 
was January 7th at home against New Orleans. 33-point loss, just got bludgeoned. They lost against Philly. You know, that wasn't good. But maybe maybe that's one of those two. But other than that, in the last, we could say we're coming up on two months, seems like they've kind of eliminated those type of losses. You know what I mean? And I don't know if, like I said, that's just, you know, a good thing or it's actually ridiculous that we have to be like, hey, two months, we haven't gotten smacked up. Um, but hopefully they've gotten that out of their system. And at the very least, every game needs to be competitive from, from here on out. Yeah, I, I to that point too, I, I'd say if you just take away the the Pelicans and the Clippers, <laughs> we might we might feel we something like totally different about this team too. <laughs> like in all honesty, you, you, the the first two games against the Clippers and all four games against the Pelicans, you take away those six like ugly, brutal losses. Let's throw in the Boston Celtics. Okay, that's not a good game, but you know, every time you play Boston, you don't have a good game, and they they run you they run you off the table. So if we take those take groups the of games, East so- teams, <laughs> the top three teams in the East, just well, Cleveland's in that now. Cle- I mean, well, I'm used I, to Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Boston. Ironically enough, Cleveland, and it didn't feel this way. Maybe because it was an eight point game in the fourth quarter, but <laughs> Cleveland beat them by twenty six. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So Cleveland my twist, and then Milwaukee was actually the close game, <laughs> right? Yeah, but you have to remember that the Kings also beat Cleveland one thirty-two mm-hmm. to one twenty. Yeah, uh, this season, and, and not only that, but the Bucks they had the Bucks, and they missed three free throws in the final like eighteen seconds, and got busted by a, a Damian Lillard three pointer from you know thirty something feet. That if they if that didn't go down. Or if they would have just hit their free throws, they even they would have survived the three. So that they just missed, you know, Fox. Poor Dame Lillard. We didn't get to talk about that today. We'll we'll say yeah, we'll everybody go read the Dame Lillard Chris Mannix article. <laughs> you got homework. It's we'll unintentionally it. funny. I, I yeah, it's unintentionally funny. Hmm. Dame thinks he's Max Struess out here. <laughs> Shout out Max Struess shot. Hey, Max Struess, Kings legend. That was he gets Kings legend status for making sure <laughs> Dallas loses. Hey, and uh, big props. I, I don't know who called that game. Spectacular call. Like, to they, they let the game breathe. So, you know, they, they call the, the score on one end. And even before that, the, the, the color commentator says, all you need is a deflection right here. And then the other guy chimes in. They get the deflection. They get the steal. You know, Luca finds uh, P.J. Washington. They hit the bucket. And, you know, it lays it out. They the Cleveland doesn't have a timeout. There's 2.5 seconds left. Inbounds, kicks it back to Struess. Struess buries a shot, and it's like he screams like three times. You know, he hit it. Oh, my gosh, blah, 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 and then just lets the crowd go. And that place is bedlam. It's going nuts. I miss that. I miss, Did like, you? why do we have to I'm talk? All, no, I'm all for more everyone. talking, more screaming. Yeah. I'm serious. I okay. don't have no problem with it. I don't have no problem with that call either. Like, it was fine, but I'm not bothered by, oh, my gosh, from 58 feet, he hit it. I can't believe it. Harriet, Harriet. I don't have no problem with that. At some point, you got to let the game breathe, at least a little bit. I mean, everyone wants to know, if you're listening to a game on the radio. The radio call was funny, by the way. You got to hear the Dallas radio call. Because they get, oh, Max Struess from Hepco. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's how the call that was is Dallas? That, That's Dallas, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's I'll, tremendous. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this. What call are we going to remember? That call or the Vikings missing a free uh, field goal? Hmm. <laughs> oh, the Vikings missing the field But that was a radio call, wasn't it? Uh, it was a radio the Vikings call. Missing, right. yeah, that, radio the Vikings call. missing yeah. the field goal was a radio call. <laughs> Um, or the far of interception. The far of interception. There's some good. There's yeah. That's yeah, you can't that. let it breathe on the on the radio. You gotta you gotta talk on the radio. Um, but I, I, I think though you can, if the crowd erupts a little bit, your job is to allow is to paint the picture right. And mm-hmm. sometimes the picture is the bedlam that ensues and and just the noise level and the shock and the the fan reaction that it's such a crucial part 
And it, what it does is it makes everyone who's listening feel like they're part of it. You feel like you're, you're hearing what everyone there is feeling. And so I, I think that it's a lost art, the, the lost art of letting a game breathe. You just got to get your catchphrases in, James. <laughs> you going to get your or catchphrases. Or somebody's catchphrases. <laughs> Zabo, Zabo, see, I'm not even, not even, I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to go to the chat. Zabo said in the chat, he said, imagine if it was the Hornets announcer. Oh, my God. <laughs> that Hornets announcer. Either way, win or loss, he would have been on one. That, that, uh, yeah, that Hornets announcer, he is special. Special, special, special. Um, but yeah. the, the MO on the season, Hammer, would be the Kings beating the Nuggets tonight, wouldn't it be? You come back, and, and, and again, I'm going to say this repeatedly because I, I think some fans feel other way. I'll state my opinion, my opinion only. This Miami Heat loss is not in the same vein of Portland. It's not in the same vein of Charlotte or Detroit. It's nothing even close. If you want to be frustrated they were shorthanded, fine. But you got to look at the totality of who the Miami Heat are and how that they are coached. This, to me, is a loss on the seat. It sucks. You wanted them to get it, especially the way that they were playing, especially knowing what they've got coming up today and what they got coming up again Friday. But the story of the season says they might just go out there and beat Denver tonight. I get that. And Mike story Malone that... will throw his face through a wall. Oh, Mike Malone getting thrown out if they're down. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Mike, Mike not, not going. You will not ruin this for me. I mean us. Just... Like this one in particular, like I don't know what's going to happen in Minnesota. I think they've got, you know, like a puncher shot in, in Minnesota. I just feel like tonight, and it has nothing to do with the Miami game, I think the Nuggets are going to be a different type of motivated tonight, and it's going to be a really, really difficult game for the Kings. And that's, that's okay. just my own opinion. That's all right. Don't need to be yeah. easy. Yeah. Yeah. Get out there and fight. Yeah. Get out there and fight. Um, fight Owens fight. Well, I'm fine with that too. I'm not a KO guy, but James is a big KO guy. <laughs> if I don't know who KO is, but no. that's okay. That's fine. Actually, let's look back at something here real quick. You guys probably remember off the top of your head. Uh, it's hard to look. I, I, I wanted to go back and I mean, De'Aaron had 30. It, man, De'Aaron played 43, almost 43 minutes in that last game against Denver. I wanted to go back and look who played really well, you, but that game's tough because yeah. no one wanted to play basketball that day. No, so It was really just De'Aaron who came in and did his thing. I remember Duarte had good minutes. Kevin Herter played good before. I don't think he played at all in the fourth quarter. You know who played really well? Going, go, I'm going to go back one more game. Mm. Alex Lynn mm. in mm. the 135-106 game. Alex Lynn played really yeah, well. Uh, in that one, and it was a really balanced scoring day. You had four, five, six. You had seven guys in double digits in that one. Mm. One of them, oh, that was Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles, who got big minutes yeah. uh, at the end of that Miami game. He was a part of that team that made the run. Do you think Mike handled that the right way, by the way? Did, should, should Malik have come back in in the fourth quarter? Mm, I don't know. Um Sometimes Malik shows you that he doesn't have it. And I know you need a ring, but the fact that he's shooting like 16% from three over the last, like, I don't know, 15 games or, or 10 games, like he, he's struggling with his three point shot and you're down 20. Yeah. Like there's a point where maybe, but the Kings built momentum and that the three threes in a row, you know, kind of woke them up and got them back in. The crowd was great. And at a certain point, you got to roll with what's working and what got you back in the game, not try to go back to what got you in the hole. And it's possible you could have got a little more boost, but I don't know. I, I, you know, every game has a life of its own. And, you know, if we go back to the game before and pulls De'Aaron Fox to give him a break at like the six minute and we're all panicking, like, you know, Bob Myers is freaking out. How in the world the Kings going to score without De'Aaron Fox on the court? This a team that scores one twenty and a guy who scores thirty points a game like scores those other ninety, Bob. But <laughs> point though is, like, it's okay sometimes for the others to go out and win the game, 
and for them to be impactful. And if they are doing the right things and they are playing the right way, and they are giving you a chance, go ahead with them a little bit longer. Give them an extra minute. Give them an extra two minutes. And if it and if it ought to be eight minutes, that's one of those games where I could see Harrison Barnes. They go, hey, you want to go back in? And he would go, Trey's handling himself just fine right now. Go ahead and leave him. In. That's one of those things where, you know, being a good teammate sometimes means that you sit from the bench and watch and and you don't make a big bunch of noise afterwards. I it's just he played four guys 12 minutes in that quarter. That's tough. Mm-hmm. That, like that's tough. Like especially given how much energy you had to exert on both ends of the floor. I didn't mean it so much as oh this Malik owes is go back to him. It was more of do you do you, you know you had you had Keegan I think played like nine and some change, and Chris Duarte played the other two and some change. That was the only substitution in the quarter. And, you know, we talked about this the next day, Hammer, how it's such a fine line when riding that wave and understanding, okay, the wave is over now. We are settling back into a basketball game. And it's a it's it's one of the most difficult, in my opinion, it's one of the most difficult jobs a coach has. A coach has. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I would point out, like, the NBA, I know everyone gets sick and tired of hearing is like a game of runs, right? But to go on a run where you build a 20-point lead, it's not that difficult, especially like in the third quarter. Like a couple of you hit a couple of shots, they turn the ball over a couple of times. What happened to the Kings? Like the the Kings turned the ball over like four or five times in, in like a six or seven minute stretch in the early third quarter. And next thing you know, the Heat hit a couple of shots in outside of what they were normally doing. And it goes from like a seven-point lead to a 20-point lead like super quick. To chase a team down once you build a 20-point lead, that's not how it goes. Because the other team, when a team has a 20-point lead, their goal now is to slow the game down and to not make mistakes and to force you to get stops. And that's where it becomes really, really difficult because you're expending so much energy on one end trying to get a defensive stop, not an easy turnover that leads to a fast break bucket. That might happen here and there. But overall, it usually takes legitimate stops, boxing out, rebounding, all these things that take a lot of energy. And then on the other end, you got to race down. You got to get a bucket quick so we can go back while they're trying to drag the game out and, and take all 24 seconds. So it, it does just take a tremendous amount of energy. And then what happens in the, in the heat game, you left the door open for them to like, you're rallying all the way back and you're still playing that great defense. But when you let a team have confidence, that's when bam hit that like miracle shot at the end of the shot clock. It was just ridiculous. That was so well defended. And then Jaime Hawkes has a couple of like unbelievably crazy shots go in. And that's why you lose games like that because you had to spend all this energy getting back into it, but you leave a door open and NBA players, a- any player that's in the NBA can score and, and they can find a way to get a bucket here and there and, and you lose a tough, tough game. Yeah. And we, um, you know, there was no Jimmy Butler, but Jaime Aqua has played like Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. on that day. I mean, he was, he was really, really good. It wasn't, mm-hmm. Like some scrub just did anything. Like he's a good ball player and he he showed out. He has some really impressive shots. Yeah, he's that guy that you're like, hey, um, how many first round picks does it take to get Jaime Hawkes out of your hands? Because that's again one of those missing link guys that the Kings could use. That's one of those guys that changes like almost everything. A guy who plays defense, a guy who does all of the dirty work, and you know it doesn't always look like pretty. It doesn't matter. His footwork's unbelievable. Is uh, he plays with force and energy, and the Kings just what they need to do is just like, like full on go Watergate on these guys and steal the the Miami Heat's like draft game plan the night before and go find the guys that they're going to draft because you need the the guys that the Heat have. Every you know again, every player on the Heat would look really good in the Sacramento Kings uniform, except for Duncan Robinson. He like he wouldn't look good in a Kings uniform, but. Most of the other guys, you're like, well, that and Tyler Hero. I, I wouldn't want Tyler Hero either. But, oh. um, but so many of these yeah. other guys, these six foot seven, <laughs> six foot eight, six foot nine dudes that multi positional, like play with force, defensive minded guys. Yeah, I'll take them. Craziest thing about Watergate, he didn't need to do it. Mm. No, 
Kings, however, do need this. So if you can go rip off some secrets from the Miami Heat, like that'd be a uh, that'd be a good look. I don't know what Tyler Hero did to James Ham, but I guess we'll leave that. To, I guess we'll leave that to figure <laughs> yeah. out another day. What did Hero do? I don't know that. <laughs> there seems to be a it's le- not a fan a league wide dislike of poor Tyler Hero. I'll take Tyler Hero. Yeah, I got. I get. I get. I get James's point, but yeah. Tyler Tyler Hero might be a upgrade over some some just a cup some. Um, <laughs> are you okay? Do you, I'm fine. Will you do what your are wife you said? Okay? Go get your throat checked. Go get your voice. Well, yo, there's sixty. There's sixty. How you get a flag with sixty seconds left? Sir, I got to call the game. Still. I played a clean, clean game. Game's not over, fella. <laughs> Play a clean game. Play through the whistle, <laughs> man. Sorry, uh, <laughs> well, it's yeah. never over until it's over, Damien. I hope, I hope Reese's class. <laughs> that, that was Leon Lent fumbling right before oh, the end zone, right man. there. That was oh, crazy. No. Well, <laughs> I guess, I guess on that note, <laughs> I'll just leave. Uh, we'll run it back. Uh, and then we got the pregame show coming up right after that to get you ready uh, for the Sacramento Kings and the Denver Nuggets. Stay locked in here uh, to Sacramento Sports Leader and make sure that you're back with us tomorrow beginning at 10 a.m. to recap it all with James Ham and Kyle Matson on the Insiders here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Vamos Kings like the beam. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 